Section 16 of Our Search for a Wilderness by Mary Blair Beebe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 The Water Trail from Georgetown to Aremu. We allowed ourselves only 48 hours in Georgetown to unpack our specimens and prepare for our second expedition into the bush. This time we were to leave the coast and strike straight inland passing up the essequibo river to bartica thence via the mazaruni and cayuni to the aremu and the little aremu rivers near the headwaters of this last stream was the gold mine which marked our journey's end deep within the wilderness on the morning of march twenty third we left georgetown on one of sprouston's steamers en route for bartica a pair of gray-breasted martins accompanied us and we found that they were nesting in an angle between two beams of the main deck covering young birds were in the nest so the martins must have accompanied the steamer on many of the alternate day trips between georgetown and bartica not only this but the river boat exchanges routes every two weeks with her sister steamer which is plying on the outside northwest route to morahana the fortnightly change from fresh to salt water doing away with all the need for keel cleaning so these birds had started their nest while the boat was making her sea trips during much of the time we were in the boats the birds kept flying out to each side over the water in pursuit of insects for their brood they sometimes went far ahead or out of sight a half mile to shore after entering the wide estuary mouth of the essequibo we passed leguan and hog islands each over ten miles in length while above these a succession of smaller islands appeared the river is about three miles in width fringed with mangroves and we saw no life on shore save occasional kokoi herons feeding on the flats the essequibo is the largest river in the colony and arises in the extreme south somewhere in the akarai mountains near the equator some six hundred miles inland like all the great rivers of this region it is navigable by steamers for only a short distance rapids and cataracts barring the way about fifty miles above the mouth the first great tributary is the mazaruni entering from the southwest and touching with its uttermost headwaters the very base of that mysterious lofty plateau roraima on the borders of brazil we landed at the very apex of the point of land between the essequibo and mazaruni rivers the village of bartica or bartica grove it is a most dilapidated place half in ruins a single street of miserable houses filled with blacks and coolies we were invited to spend the night at the house of an englishman mr withers enjoying again the unfailing hospitality of the wilderness in a launch we proceeded three miles up the mazaruni and climbing a steep hill denuded of its forest we turned and reveled in the magnificent view a small heavily wooded island in the foreground 
broke the surface of the shining waters and beyond the two mighty rivers rolled ceaselessly joining their floods with hardly a ripple directly across on the opposite shore of the mazaruni the picturesque white buildings of the penal colony could be seen looking more like hotels and cottages of some watering place than like prisons if one must be imprisoned for life there are few places one would prefer to this an american company had obtained a concession of some seven thousand acres for the purpose of raising sisal hemp and mr withers was in charge of this important undertaking his home on the crest of the hill overlooked the surrounding rolling country six hundred acres of which had already been cleared during the preceding nine months and planted to this valuable fiber plant here again we found a most ingenious system of catch crops peanuts castor beans and corn surrounding but not interfering with the slower growing sisal their success was yet to be proven a careful study of the effect on animal and plant life of this clearing away of the forest would yield much of interest many sloths with young were caught when the trees were being felled and gold birds wood hewers parrots and other forest birds had now retired some distance from the clearing the antlers of two deer shot here were simple spikes insects of all kinds had greatly increased and caterpillars of strange shapes and colors were legion in number and doing their best to undo the labor of the agriculturists insect-eating birds of certain types had increased enormously and gray-breasted martins barn and variegated swallows filled the air while kiskadee tyrants of three species other flycatchers house wrens seed-eaters hummingbirds and honey-creepers were abundant swooping over the open fields snatching insects from the air or leaves or ground according to the method of hunting of each species the honey-creepers were continually getting into trouble here as elsewhere in the darkened upper roof space of the house and many had to be caught and liberated daily small snakes and toads are also said to have increased due doubtless to the increase of insect food but the abundance of agoutis or akuris was unfortunately only too evidently due to the supply of succulent vegetables this evening the regular afternoon wind continued until late and it was too cool to walk without a coat the wind sounded anything but tropical howling around the eaves of the house like a northern blizzard the moon rose about nine o'clock a great flat-sided ball of orange lighting up the pale bare fields but throwing all the jungle into blackest shadow soon the light became stronger and the two southern crosses paled from view the false one higher up kite-like and the vera cruz low and resting on its side Sproustons is a company which controls many of the steamer and launch lines of the colony and gives remarkably good as well as reasonable service when the day comes that the tourist learns of the beauties of this country the transportation lines will become of immense value 
now they depend principally on the many american concessions and other interests for freight and upon pork knockers and bovianders for passengers at nine o'clock on the following morning traveling again on one of sprouston's launches we left mr withers and proceeded up the mazaruni in about an hour reaching the point of its confluence with the cuyuni this was as beautiful as the junction of the essequibo and the mazaruni which we had left turning up the cuyuni we went on and on through a region of indescribable beauty the noble river spreads out in a wide smooth expanse a tropical hudson with palisades of trees it is very shallow and when the water is low there is little but tide at this point hence mangroves are dominant becoming however smaller and less numerous as we proceeded at eleven o'clock we reached the beautiful falls at lower camaria landing and went ashore to find a delicious breakfast prepared for us by the genial and hospitable mr french and served by his aged manservant who was christened swan but who was familiarly known throughout the colony as french's boy at camaria a series of all but impassable rapids and falls occurs and a portage of three and a half miles is necessary a well-made sandy wagon trail points the way rising gradually and then slowly descending again at the top of the rise the sand is of the finest and whitest quality butterflies were extremely abundant along this wood road a dozen splendid blue morphos being sometimes in sight at once one interesting species of butterfly castina lycus was very common flying along ahead of us with short spurts and alighting on bare twigs just within the shadow of the jungle they were dark brownish above tinted with dull orange and green and with four broad streaks of white across the wings they were perfectly protected in the positions of rest which they chose on small bare twigs the brown merging invisibly with the dark recesses of the undergrowth beyond while the white markings exactly simulated a white orchid blossom sprouting as so many of them do from a leafless stem as the mule cart passed laden with our luggage we seized the graflex camera and secured the accompanying photograph in spite of their protective colors and mode of resting the wings of almost all had been nipped by birds and we saw one fall a victim to a flycatcher the characteristic birds of this trail were swallow-tailed kites and yellow-bellied trogons the former soaring overhead every few minutes and the latter dashing from cluster to cluster of berries in the middle of the afternoon our walk brought us to upper camaria where we were again on the bank of the cuyuni here tied to a gigantic mora tree a second launch awaited us and from here to our second night's stopping place at matope we stopped only once at tiger island to take a few pork knockers on board although there were only three small hut-like houses here there was the invariable colony of yellow-backed caciques the tide was blocked by the succession of falls and rapids 
and so at upper camaria the whole character of the vegetation was changed mangroves had vanished and in their place were muckamucka and other aquatic growths backed by the solid walls of trees and vines snake birds were perched in solitary state at frequent intervals along the banks silent sinister looking craning their necks out at us and either dropping quietly into the water and sinking from view or flapping heavily upward ordinarily their flight is very pelican-like six or eight flaps then a short scale but when they once reach a high altitude they soar most gracefully with set wings first in a wide slow circle then with a sudden straight rush then a circle and so on all apparently without a single wing beat when thus high in air they have a most peculiar arrow-shaped appearance thin sharp beak slender neck and body and broad fan-shaped tail while the launch was puffing slowly along we saw one of the most unexpected sights of the trip a fresh-water flying fish carnagilia strigatus it did not leave the surface entirely but skimmed steadily along in a straight line with the tip of the deep keel of the abdomen just cutting the surface it was small not more than two inches long and of the greatest interest to us at that time as we did not then know that such a thing as a fresh-water flying fish existed to see a silvery little form break from the mirror-like surface of the river and go skimming off through the air left us amazed these fish were silvery in color marked with irregular black markings with long wing-like pectoral fins and a remarkably deep keel like the keel of a racing yacht as we went on the walls of foliage became higher and more dense stretching up far up above our heads until the topmost branches were from one hundred to one hundred and twenty-five feet above the water majestic vistas opened out ahead of us and now and then great solid banks of flowers hung like huge tapestries upon the foliage walls one white flower with a plume-like tuft of long slender stamens filled whole bends of the river with its sweet perfume and formed aerial banks of bloom fifty feet square we saw here for the first time the green river ibises looking dull black in the sunlight they were of the same size as scarlet ibises but with a shorter tail and flapped more slowly in flight just before dusk we reached the house of the government agent of this district mr nicholson and were made welcome at his little home in the heart of the wilderness the house is on a steep bluff of red clay changing to yellow near the water and commanding a fine view up and down the river below the river is smooth and shining while a quarter of a mile above the house a mass of tumbling white water blocks further progress and marks the second portage in the yard near the house one passes through a cluster of young fruit trees 
and here two small colonies of yellow-backed caciques had located clustering their pendant nests almost within arm's reach about two big nests of stinging ants at dusk several hundred smooth-billed anise dropped into a clump of bamboo and with much racket and squabbling settled for the night this region is wholly undisturbed the few pork knockers and indians who pass keeping entirely to the river mr nicholson told us that capybaras hydrochorus capybara came every night and raided the vegetable garden and we had good evidence of this pushing through the bush a short distance downstream at dusk we saw a small herd of these creatures appear and distribute themselves over the banks some waded along the shallows or swam out and dived to come up with a mouthful of algae others climbed the clay slope and disappeared into the jungle they seemed like reincarnations of some of the great unwieldy prehistoric beasts restorations of those bones by which alone we know of their existence in past ages it was too dark to photograph these giant rodents but by the kindness of dr bingham we are able to show several splendid photographs of capybaras taken in their haunts the indian hunter at matope finds abundance of game within a mile of the house two kinds of deer tapir peccary and of course curassows and guans trumpeters are often heard from the house but are considered too tough for food we talked chiefly by signs with the arawak indian hunter who had just come in with a bush hog or peccary dicotales tajaku as soon as the animal is killed the gland on the lower back is cut out a piece of skin being removed about four by eight inches if this is not done immediately the flesh will become musky and unfit to eat the hunter was familiar with the rare white-lipped peccary dicotales labiatus which he described as larger than the common kind and going in small families of two to five individuals this was a dangerous animal and more than once he had been treed by them whereas the common peccary was timid and harmless except when wounded or cornered mr nicholson had recently seen a full-grown great ant-eater myrmecophagia jubata swimming the river and curiously enough we later witnessed a similar performance where the banks were about a third of a mile apart the creature was making fair headway although drifting rapidly and was completely immersed save for the elongated snout and head and the upper part of the bushy tail which waggled frantically with the efforts the ant-eater was making mr nicholson promised to obtain some live trumpeters for us and later kept his word by sending one to new york a few months after we left there are gold diggings near here which were worked by the dutch in sixteen twenty five in the earlier days of the english occupancy gold smuggling was an everyday occurrence at bartica and mr nicholson had to take extraordinary precautions to guard against it he would scrape a line under the keel of a boat from stem to stern by this means often discovering hidden bags of gold 
many a coopful of innocent-looking fowls brought down by the pork-knockers were slain by the government inspectors and found to have their crops and gizzards filled with the precious yellow grain cartridges were a favorite means of smuggling the powder being removed and replaced with gold there is no longer any attempt at smuggling now as it does not pay vampires desmodus rufus are so abundant at matope that every evening one of the servants collects the chair cushions on the veranda and packs them under an upturned chair otherwise the dogs bitten while sleeping on these cushions would ruin them with their blood we swung our hammocks on the veranda and kept one light burning and although the bats squeaked shrilly throughout the night none of us were bitten early next morning we packed up and set out and in a few minutes a launch landed us at the foot of the falls this portage was only about a hundred yards in length bringing us to perseverance landing here were several tent boats most of them filled with pork knockers we stored our luggage in the one reserved for us and climbed into a tent ballyhoo with ten paddlers in addition to the bowmen and steersmen all big powerful piratical looking blacks except the steersman who was an indian now came the most exciting part of our trip passing up the series of rapids which filled the whole bed of the river it took us until noon to pass them a smooth expanse of water would indicate depth sufficient to float a steamer then a bar of granite would appear rising on shore into huge boulders and forming a series of foaming tumbling waves across the river in such a place there were numerous small islands and the width increased greatly while the water everywhere was shallow with channels ramifying here and there as we approached one of these rapids the bowmen stood up and the men braced themselves for the tremendous exertion starting with a slow steady stroke this became quicker and quicker as the white water was reached then the bowman using his long paddle lever-like against the thwart held the ballyhoo steady while the men drove her through the swirling water the current became stronger and stronger the canoe seemed to slow down be stationary even to slide back a foot or two then the great black backs glistening with perspiration would twist and bend in a final effort and the boat would shoot forward into the quiet eddy at the foot of the rapid with the water swirling past on each side now at a word from the steersman the blacks tumbled overboard hastily getting out heavy rope cables which one or two of the most powerful took in their teeth or tied around their waists and carried to some projecting rock as far ahead as possible after they had fought their way up the rock they tied the rope securely and now all hands took hold some of the rope others of the boat and pushed and pulled her up through the boiling torrent in one or two cases it was possible to zigzag up through the less formidable shallows after a particularly difficult piece of paddling we would rest in some backwater for a few minutes 
and have time to look about us every snag held its complement of vampires which took to wing only when we were very close solitary sandpipers and paruques were abundant the latter apparently nesting on the numerous little sandbars and swooping near the boat or swinging up to a bare branch where they perched lengthwise and watched us with half-shut eyes the rocky islets were covered with the low water guava pisidium fluvatile and the rocks which are usually covered with shallow water or those within reach of the falls were studded with thousands of little starry flowers in other places masses of delicate pink blossoms raised their heads above the shining mat of green submerged leaves which fairly carpeted the pools the beds of pink green and white amid the pools reminded us strongly of the many-colored sponges hydroids and anemones in the tidal pool of the bay of fundy or a reef off a florida key these aquatic flowers far out from shore gave forth a sweet perfume attracting flies bees and even butterflies which flitted through the mist just clearing the foaming water now and then small reddish-brown crocodiles were seen sunning themselves on the sandbars one not more than three feet in length paid no attention to the revolver shots which threw up the water close to him the little flying fish became more numerous as we went on skimming here and there in the smooth pools twice we saw one dash at an insect once a large bee and the second time a butterfly but they were less successful in their insect hunting than the swallows both the banded and the variegated which swooped across our bow whenever we went close to a bank we saw multitudes of a new flower with its graceful rebarbed stamens looking like the falling lines of sparks from a rocket we lunched to-day on a splendid outcropping of rock on the left bank after chasing into the cracks some big and remarkably colored tarantulas with light red bodies and dark legs end of section sixteen